The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Well, good morning. My name's Chase. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are in 1 Corinthians. We're doing a series called Broken Body in 1 Corinthians, and today we're talking about broken support. Last week, Pastor Dave kind of walked us through uh, idolatry and us laying down our freedom. And today we're talking about giving. And uh, you, you might, it might be your first, first week here and you think, oh great, do they talk about giving every week? And uh, we, we don't, just about three weeks a month, but we take one week off every month. We really don't very much, but if you've been around churches a lot, then there are, are some horror stories about giving. I shared a couple last hour and then a couple of people told me about some of theirs that were even worse than, than mine. But a couple that I'll, I'll tell you that I hope you, you never find here, I'm confident you won't. One is uh, one of the little towns that I, that I grew up in. There was a church, a little rural town. There's a church of five or 600 people. And the church passed an offering plate like a lot of churches do. And then and then they had a box to the back of, of the auditorium. And the offering plate was to keep the lights on and support ministries and do things like that. But the box at the back, um, that was the tithe box and, and everybody tithed and all of that money went to one guy, the guy that, that preached. You might think, oh Chase, I bet you like this story. Actually, I don't. But you've got about 300 families tithing and it's all going to this guy. But then in this town, it's a farming community. So if you have cows and your cows have 10 calves, one of them goes to this guy. If you got chickens and your chickens have uh, 10 chicks, that's what a baby chicken's called, then one of them goes to this guy. And, and so you can imagine he did pretty well. We, um, my family had horses and we would help people with cattle. I know with my accent, that probably really surprises you. But as I was a boy, we go out to this guy's place one day and I'm thinking, oh, he's got 40 or 50 head of cattle. And we go out there and there's like hundreds of cows. And I, I want to tell you, I'm, I, I don't want your cows, right? Um, Tim, Tim Cartwright, one of our pastors here, his kids would love a baby calf for Christmas though. You should, you should know that. Another time I was interning at a church in Beaumont, Southeast Texas, and this speaker comes through and there's like a weekend conference and, um, and they would give what's called a love offering where you take up an offering and, and he gets that to support his ministry. And he's doing this love offering and he starts, starts by talking about how it's his son's homecoming week and he's missing homecoming to be with us, which is, you know, you might call manipulative. I wouldn't call it that, but some might. And then he says, and by the way, something happened last, last night that's never happened before. A, a lady at a church in Dallas put a three-carat ring in the offering. She didn't have money to give, but she gave a three-carat ring. And maybe God would lead three or four of you to put your wedding rings in the, in the offering. And uh, right, wow. Um, so we're, we're, we're not, we're not going to do that, right? So when I came to Temple Bible Church, I experienced something that I'd never experienced before. When I came to TBC, it was October of 2002. I didn't come on staff initially. I came to be part of this body. My wife had been here some in college and we were moving to Temple and I was gonna be traveling and speaking about missions. And so we were gonna visit three churches and we ended up visiting TBC first and we just planted here, but about three weeks in, I, I couldn't figure out how the church kept the lights on because they didn't pass the plate and they didn't talk about money. 
And I had some other questions I, I wanted to ask the pastor just to learn about the church. So I met uh, with, with this guy right here. This is Gary in, uh, in 2002. Bev sent me some pictures this week I asked for. So if you've been here a, a long time, you'll remember this is Gary, pre-shaved head. Um, I mean, the top was shaved, but the sides weren't yet, right? And, um, and I sat down with, with Gary to talk about TBC and ask some questions before my family um, became part of the body, and he and I were talking about TBC and what made it distinct and how's a church that preached the Bible, and I said, hey man, I got a question. I'm coming off of a church staff starting a ministry. Like, how, how, do, you guys, how do you guys take in funds? And he goes, what do you mean? It's a really generous body. I said, well, they, I mean, they must be, but how do, like, how do you get money? You don't pass the plate. I didn't understand. And he goes, oh, we've got boxes on the walls, and people just know giving's a part of worship. This is the most generous place you'll ever come into. It's just a generous body. And I said, really? Like y'all make budget? And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, do you talk about giving? And he said, oh, three or four times a year. I might mention in the bottom of our bulletin, it says giving is a part of worship. I had to look all over the bulletin to find that the next Sunday. And he just said, listen, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. I, I've been here 18 years and before I was on staff and then for the last 12 years on staff, I've been amazed over and over and over at the generosity of Temple Bible Church. So as we look at, at 1 Corinthians 9, it's really a joy to teach this because as I read the discussion Paul is having with the church in Corinth, and we're going to read it because it's in the text, right? But I could never imagine having a conversation like this at, at TBC, so we're going to read 1 Corinthians. We'll read about the verse 12 verses, and then we'll continue on through verse 18 today. And what we're going to do is talk about five reasons Paul felt like he had the right to be supported. And then the one reason he says, I'm not going to take funds from you. And then we'll talk about giving at, at TBC. So let's read. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who had examined me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does the law not say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses. You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not speak entirely for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you that, 
that I get to teach this message to this people. Lord, thank you for uh, how you have used this church and continue to use this church to be light in our community and light in the world. And God, I pray as we look in the text today that we would walk away really, really encouraged and really excited about continued generosity for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Paul, as Dave taught us last week, has been talking to the Corinthians about freedom and about idolatry and really challenging them um, to lay down their rights. And so today he's going to talk about how he lays down his. And and I was talking with one of the other pastors this week just about, um, about what what it looks like to be the people of God. And I said, I really get the sense that what's true in our church is true in a lot of churches. And so I emailed friends who are pastors in, in Belton and in Temple and in Dallas and in Alabama and New York City and Colleen and just said, hey, what we generally see is that our people are really pretty generous. Is, is that what you generally see? And I was really encouraged as I got back. Yeah, yeah it really is. That's what the people of God are like, and it was encouraging to hear, that's not what's happening in Corinth, though. And so the Corinthians, they're, they're asking questions. They're wondering, is Paul really a great apostle, actually? And we'll see that as he kind of responds to him in verse three, but he gives these five reasons, and we'll just walk through those, that he says, I have the right for support. And the first is that he was an apostle, He was an apostle. He's been talking to them about freedom. He says, am I not free? He has four questions in verse one. Am I not an apostle? Well, Paul wasn't one of the original 12, right? He wasn't one of the original 12. He wasn't from Jerusalem. He wasn't even from Galilee like Jesus' original followers. Paul was from Tarsus, 550 miles away from Jerusalem in present-day Turkey. So maybe some people were wondering, is he legitimately an apostle? Has he seen the Lord? Well, he has this encounter, Acts chapter 9 tells us, on the road to Damascus. It was life-altering and ego-shattering. His name was Saul then. It got changed to Paul. And a bright light shines. And the risen Lord questions, why are you persecuting me? His life's changed by the power of the gospel. And the, the one who would be persecuting the church is now leading the church, planting churches, writing letters to the churches that would make up half the New Testament. He's trained by the risen Christ in the desert. And he says, am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? The answer is yes. And then he says, are you not my workmanship in the Lord? He makes it personal. If for others I'm not an apostle, at least I am to you, he says, for you are the seal of my apostleship. Now, when you think about this, as we've read and studied in 1 Corinthians, this church has problems with division, they're fighting, they're suing each other, there's all kinds of sexual sin going on in this church. But over and over and over again, we see Paul call them believers, remind them that they are in Christ, and he says of this church that's struggling as they are, he says, you're the seal of my apostleship. He's reminding them that they are loved by him and loved by God, a seal we know is what makes something authentic. It was put on merchandise. It was put on letters and it would be um, what authenticated 
something is from a king or with authority. And so he says, you are the seal of my apostleship. You're the proof of the genuineness of my apostleship. You're the guarantee. Am I not an apostle? He says, first, I I can receive support because I'm an apostle. In verse three, he says, here's my defense who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Is it only me and Barnabas? He's an apostle, so he has the right to receive support. That's the first thing he says in verses one through six. Then in verse seven, in verse seven, he says that it seems right from other examples, and he gives three examples in verse seven. Let's read it. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Now, generally, that's true today, but occasionally you have somebody who's in the reserves and they're still working another job, but generally if you're a soldier, you don't have to pay for your meals while you're serving. You don't have to pay while you're deployed. You don't have to pay for the clothes that you're gonna wear. You get a uniform. You don't have to pay for your fighting equipment. That would have been true in the first century. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? You wouldn't have a day job as a soldier in the first century and then go work another job at night, right? So Paul says from this example, and then he gives another example, farmers by their farming eat a share of the crop. Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Shepherds would receive something back for the work that they did. He says from other examples, this seems right. But then in verse eight, he says, do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? See, the the letter to the church in Corinth starts by pointing out that God makes folly the wisdom of men. So Paul can't make his argument just from human wisdom. He has to make it from the word as well. So we'll see from the law, the prophets, and Jesus. Paul says, I I think I have the right. He says the law points to this idea. Verse eight, do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out grain. Well, what in, what in the world does that mean? As, as the ox were moving a plow, they weren't muzzled as they were treading out grain. But Paul says this isn't actually even talking about oxen. He quotes Deuteronomy 25 chapter four. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not speak entirely for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? Paul puts the spiritual over the material and he says this work that we're doing, it would be good for you to support people who do this sort of work and and for the Corinthians, they're struggling with this idea. So Paul says, if others share the rightful claim on you, do we not even more? Nevertheless, we've not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. See, Paul says we have the right from the law, but we're not going to. And then he uses example from history or from the prophets, verse 13. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple As they serve, they get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings. The priest that would prepare offerings that people would bring to the temple, they would prepare the offerings and then when the offering's done, the priest and sometimes the family who brought it, they would sit down and they would share a meal together. The priest who prepared the offerings share in the sacrificial offerings. 
And then the last reason is Paul says Jesus commanded it. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So Paul says we have the right. We have the right. A couple of other places he talks about this that you might jot down. 1 Timothy 5 verses 17 and 18 and then Galatians 6, 6. Paul says, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So Paul says, I have the right, and here's why I have the right. I'm an apostle. It it seems to make sense. But then Paul knows the church in Corinth, they are struggling with this. He's just spoken to them in this letter about laying aside their freedom for the sake of others. So while he gives these five reasons why it's okay for him to take support, he gives one reason he's not going to. He doesn't want money to be an obstacle to them hearing the gospel. Verse 15, I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground of boasting. See, Paul's been speaking about unity, about loving one another, about caring for others, about there being no division, about laying down your rights. And he says, I'm gonna lay down my rights. I haven't made use of these rights. I'm not going to make use of them now. And in verse 16, he says, for I preach the gospel, for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid on me. What does he mean? I I have to, it's of necessity that I preach the gospel. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul says, this isn't about money. It's about the opportunity I have to share the gospel. It's the opportunity I have to preach the gospel. So Paul has given the church in Corinth kind of a heart check. He's challenging them on what they're thinking. But then he would say to all those who are in vocational ministry, hey, we need to challenge ourselves. Are we doing this For money, are we doing this for financial gain? Would we do this if we weren't getting paid to do it? As I I hear him say, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel, and you, you think about his love for the church in Corinth. We talked about this this week, and I thought about a couple of our guys on on staff and how they came to be on staff. And one of those guys is David Richardson. David Richardson. David Richardson is our adult ministries pastor, our small groups pastor. And and when I came to TBC, my first Sunday here, went to a Sunday school class that David was in and and these back portable buildings that we don't have anymore where they are. There were creek side buildings sits now. And we were going into a Sunday school class there and I met David and he and I hit it off and we became friends. And David began to work with small groups at TBC and he was doing that on a volunteer basis. He was an electrical engineer for TXU Encore and was, was working there, had a great job and then he continued to serve our small groups and our adult ministries and that began to grow and grow and grow and he was doing it so much really that it had to become a full-time job. And so as David comes into this job, he's been working a great job and knows that he has to come here and it's not like David, he would say, I wasn't looking to be a small groups pastor at a church. I had the opportunity to be small groups pastor at this church. And he said, I came in the first day and I sat down and said, hey, I'm sure we're gonna be fine and it really doesn't matter, but my family family does have to budget. Can you guys tell me what I'm gonna make? He's taking the job, he's good to go, but it just doesn't matter what he makes. He wants to figure it out so they can budget, but he just says, woe is me. 
I've got to serve this church. Or when, when Brandon Brewer, right after he had interviewed or in his process somewhere to become our global outreach pastor, Brandon, his wife, Sarah, their kids, they were just rocking it out with partners uh, on the Arabian Peninsula, doing just great work there, had great opportunities in front of them, had just visited a new city that they were looking to move to. And we began to talk to him about what it would look like for him to be the global outreach pastor here. And and he said, you know, I'm not interested in being a missions pastor at any church, but if TBC is asking me to be the missions pastor at this church, and my answer is yes, it's got to be yes, because I love this church. And when I, when I heard that, I thought about some of the men that I work with. When I read, woe is me that I do not preach the gospel. I've kind of heard from these guys, woe is me if I don't love this church. And I'm grateful to work with people like them. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward, but not of my own will. Paul says, I'm still entrusted with stewardship. What then is my reward that in my preaching, I can present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my rights? See, what Paul says is what matters to me is that people get to respond to the gospel. That's his delight, and he wants that to be the delight of the church in Corinth too, and they're really, really struggling. And I'll tell you, it's my experience at TBC though that, that, that you are really not struggling. And so we've looked at Corinth. Now I want to talk about Temple Bible Church and, and just want to tell you some truths about giving at TBC. If you've been here really long, you'll know that this is true. If you're new here, you might not know it's true. So let's talk about giving at TBC. Then let's talk about principles for giving and some application. The fir first truth about giving at, at TBC is we'll let you know as needs arise, but we're never going to hound you. Gary DeSalvo described that to me in 2002. When I came on staff in 2008, I found that to be true. And it continues to be true to this day. And the reason it's true is because God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Gary quoted that to me in 2002. It's a quote from Hudson Taylor, the founder of China Inland Mission, which became Overseas Missionary Fellowship. Gary was on the board of OMF. He loved this quote. And in 2008, when I became the missions pastor, Gene Martin was a retiring missions pastor and he quoted it to me again, but he, he gave it in a, a larger context that I'll share with you in just a moment. I come on staff and I'm finding out how our missions budget works. So at Temple Bible Church, when you give 20% of what you give to our general fund goes to missions right off the top. That's what makes up our missions budget. That's how we have over 30 missionaries and partners and, and about 20 nations. That's how we work with our local partners here. 20% off the top goes to missions. Missions has always been important, will always be important as long as this church exists. It's one of our core values. And so Gene, and I were talking and I said, how does our missions budget made? He explains that. And I said, right, but I see people go on short-term trips. How, how do their trips get funded? And he said, well, we give a little bit to those trips from budget, but they write letters and people give. And I said, they're like all of their trips get covered. We're sending 50 to 80 people on short-term trips. And he just said, yeah, they just do. And I, I said, how? And he just smiled and said, listen, this is a really generous body and you're gonna see that. 
You're gonna experience that. So I was missions pastor for 12 years and I can think of one trip where people had been to the Middle East for 10 days and, and when we were looking back at, at, had their trip been covered, I think there was $81 lacking in their trip that one time. Never been another instance that I know of that that's not been true. And Gene quoted that, that to me a little bit fuller that day and he said this, he said, depend on it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. He is too wise a God to frustrate his purposes for lack of funds. And he can just as easily supply them ahead of time as afterwards, and he much prefers doing so. That's Hudson Taylor, who founded China Inland Mission. Their church is being planted all over Asia today because Hudson Taylor believed that God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. We believe that at TBC, so if we have a need, we'll let you know about it. But we're never gonna hound you. We're never gonna hound you. Second truth about giving at TBC is we do not see who gives what amounts. We as pastors work really, really hard. It's very rare that we ever see who gives what amount. We try to not do that. And the reason we try to not do that is because over and over and over in the scripture, we're told not to show partiality. We're just told not to show partiality and we don't want to. If you're here, we're gonna minister to you. We're gonna serve, whether you're giving sacrificially, whether you never give at all. We believe it's our privilege to share the gospel with you. So we try real hard not to see who gives what. I, I remember before I was on staff here, I was traveling and speaking and, and I had people who supported my ministry and they supported it for all kinds of different amounts. There was one family that my wife and I, we, were, we really didn't wanna ask them for support. We knew money was really tight and we were just afraid. We didn't want it to be a burden for them and they came to us and said, hey, you've, you've kind of hurt our feelings. We'd like to help and here's how we can help. We're gonna give you some cookie dough once a month. So as college students come into your home and you're talking to them about missions, you can make cookies. Could we support you that way? And they were giving sacrificially then a lot of people giving in between. And then there was another family that gave and their gift made up about a third of our ministry budget. And, and through all these ways, we saw the people of God be generous. And I, I knew who they were at TBC. I don't know who gives what, we don't know who gives what, and we wanna keep it that way. We wanna keep it that way. So we'll let you know if needs arise. We don't see who gives what amounts and we operate according to priorities and we would put people above places in our priorities. So we wanna make sure our staff are taken care of. We wanna make sure our missionaries are well-funded. We wanna make sure that the things that we need to do, the ladies that work so hard in our office every week that they are taken care of. We wanna make sure that our local partners are funded well. We've got the privilege of working with ministries like FCA locally, like Discipleship Unlimited, going into prisons, churches touching lives for Christ, Foster Love Bell County, Helping Hands in Belton, Body of Christ Clinic, and so many more locally that we have the privilege of working alongside these people. What an opportunity. So we wanna put people in ministry above places. Now we do have places, right? We're in a place right now. And so then we take care of places because we want facilities to facilitate great ministry. So we'll operate according to those priorities and we'll continue to operate according to those priorities being staff lean, but making sure great ministry happens in our community. And number four, we believe that giving is a part of worship and we're grateful for your generosity and the great majority of you give so faithfully. Some of you have not yet 
join the party and we would invite you to do so. It's full of delight. It's full of delight. So as, as we give as TBC, two principles that govern giving. Number one, everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. Psalm 24, one and two. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and he's established it upon the rivers. Everything belongs to God. Psalm 50, God says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. All the beasts of the field are mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. God says, I don't come to relationship out of need. I come to relationship out of love. And so we believe as we think about how do I give, everything belongs to God. Psalm 24, one and two, I'll, I'll tell you how I memorized this passage. The first date that I was gonna go on uh, with the lady who became Laura Bowers was at a conference. And, um, and there's a guy named Louis Giglio speaking at this college conference. And he got up to speak and and he asked a question. He said, how many of you own a TV? And I and a lot of other people raised their hands. He said, great, you can put your hands down. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The whole world belongs to him. He founded it upon the seas. He established it upon the waters. And he said, let me ask you another question. How many of you own a pair of tennis shoes? And so a lot of us raised our hands. And he said, put your hands down. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He found it upon the waters, established it upon the seas. And then he said, let me ask you again, how many of you own a TV? And I went to raise my hand like a lot of other people. And this girl pulled my hand down. She goes, it all belongs to God. <laughs> See, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So as we think about everything we have, everything we are, everything we hope to be, we just remember it all belongs to God anyway. And then the second thing is that God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Well, well, wait a second, doesn't God love everybody? Yes, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. But then there are moments in scripture where God singles out people like Jesus says that the Lord loves those who obey his commands. Or here in 2 Corinthians, Paul says it this way, the point is this, that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. You give what you've decided to in your heart for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all time, you may abound in every good work. God can make all grace abound to you. He loves a cheerful giver. And as you give cheerfully, you'll have all sufficiency in all things at all times. Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians that he who supplies seed to the sower will multiply your seed for sowing that you'll be enriched toward generosity for the ministry of service is not only supplying needs of the saints, but it overflows in thanksgiving to God. Everything belongs to God and the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So how do we walk in generosity this season? How do we walk in generosity this season? First, delight in taking part in the work that God is doing through giving. Delight in taking part in the work God is doing through giving. Jesus told his disciples do not be afraid, little flock. Don't be afraid. Sell what you have and give to the poor. And as you give to them, you buy purses for yourself that will not wear out and treasure 
in heaven. Delight to take part in the work that God is doing in our city and in the world. And second, be intentional in what you give to. Be intentional with your giving. I don't know what that looks like for you. I'll tell you what that looks like for my family. It doesn't have to look like this for your family, whatever it looks like. Be intentional as you steward God's money for his glory in all the world. For us, there are kind of four things that we think about. And the first thing we think about is the priority, the priority that we as God's people are told make disciples of the nation. So we think about the great commission, the places and peoples who have not heard the gospel. And so as we give, we wanna give to ministries that are overflowing toward the unreached or mobilizing toward the unreached. And I should say, before we do that, of course, we give to the local church. It would be kind of silly for me as a pastor not to do that, right? If you cut me and I don't bleed local church, there's a problem. So we give to the church and then we give to the priority, the unreached, and then second, we give to our people. See, at TBC, we value surrender and community and mission. And so when we've got our people raised up in this body that are going out, we wanna join with them. Right now, just on my mind, there are four couples that are launching out and they'll have ministries among unreached people groups in Germany and Thailand and central Tanzania and in Japan. And I'm so excited for the opportunity that we'll have to, to give to these couples in this single. They're our people. We're in community with them. We love them. Then third, we wanna to give to our partners. When I, when I think about Pavel Marchuk and his brother Victor and Kolya, the Lazarenkovs, our dear friends in Belyat-Surkov, Ukraine, our friends in Kiev at Kiev Theological Seminary and the privilege that we have to partner with them, our brothers in Basse in Rwanda, our friends in Alarm who serve in Rwanda and seven other nations. When we're intentional, we wanna join with these partners. God has blessed us by connecting us to them and giving us opportunity to share the gospel alongside them. And then last thing is I think about projects. I think about projects. So it's the priority, it's our people, it's our partners globally and our partners locally, places like Hope Pregnancy Center and then projects, short-term trips or short-term gifts. That's how we do it. That doesn't mean that's how you have to do it. But as you do it, as you give, be intentional and be excited to delight in the work that God is doing. And then number three, rejoice in how God multiplies our offerings. Rejoice in how God multiplies our offerings because when we come to give, there's a sense in which we're all like that little boy. There are thousands of people on a hillside and they need to be fed and, and the disciples find this one little kid and he's got some loaves and some fishes. And it might feed his family, but it's not gonna feed thousands of people in their families, right? But then it gets put in the hands of Jesus and he multiplies the offering and it nourishes in a way that we would never imagine it could. And so... So we rejoice in how God is able to multiply our offerings. Those are three ways just to, to walk in generosity. Now, all of this talk about giving. You, you might be here today and you might wonder why in the world would somebody give to a church? Like that's the most peculiar thing. And that's a, a fine and a fair question to ask. But, but I'll tell you why 
people would. There are a couple of reasons if you're a believer, people would give to the church so that you would be equipped for works of service so that the body of Christ would grow, that we together as a community of people surrendered to Jesus would be on mission together, that we would grow in Christ together. And then also you you might wonder that and and you might not know that, that Jesus is God in the flesh, that he's the God who made the heavens and earth and he came and became flesh. He made his dwelling among us. My boys and I were talking about this the other night. We walked outside, really clear and beautiful night, and my three youngest guys are just amazed at how many stars are up there. We keep trying to count them all, but we get confused and lose track. So maybe one day we'll get that, right? Well, we're looking up, and we just talked about how the God who made that, and we're just seeing this little tiny piece of creation, that that God became flesh. He lived as we live, he was tempted as we're tempted, but he never sinned. And he took our sin upon himself and he died for our sins and he rose from the dead to give life to all who believe. So people give to this church so that that message right there can go out to you on a day like today, but so also that people will be equipped that it will go out in our city and all over the world. And if you don't know Jesus more than we want you to hear anything about giving today, we want you to hear that Jesus Christ is Lord and he will save you and bring you into his family today. That's, that's why this church exists. So just, just like Paul, we never want money to be an obstacle to the gospel going out. We want the gospel to go out from this place in our city, in our county, and in all the world. So we wanna pray to that end. Father, we thank you today that TBC has existed and does exist and will exist by your grace and because of a generous people who reflect your generosity in their giving and in their living and in their sharing. And God, we're grateful. And we pray, Father, that we all the more would trust in you, knowing that the earth is yours and everything in it. You founded it upon the waters. You established it upon the seas. And if you were hungry, you wouldn't tell us. But you've come and offered relationship through your son, Jesus Christ, and we are grateful. So God, we give thanks and pray, God, that as we continue as a generous people, we'd continue as a thankful people, rejoicing in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray and for his glory. Amen.